The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Let me catch you up, all right? If you haven't been with us, let me catch you up. And, and a lot of you in here, you're like, I know what you're going to say. Well, shh, some people don't, all right? So relax, all right? So um, we've been talking about our vision for the church. Um, we are about Christ, we're about community, and we're about cause. We are united together as one around the person of Jesus Christ and who he is. Um, and that's what defines us. That's what makes us who we are. We are not about an ideology. We are not about a religion or some sort of system or anything. We are about Jesus. That's what we're about. We're about Jesus. We're about his word. We want to know him. We want to make him known. That's what we're about. Um, and so that's what unites us. And so in Christ, he said that he's put us all together, all right? And so we're together. We, we read these, these past few weeks, we talked about being in the vine, that, that he's the vine and we're the branches. We're connected. And we talked about being in the body of Christ together, that if you belong to Jesus, here's what the Bible says, then you belong to me and I belong to you. Do you understand that? That means that in Jesus, we are are connected and we're brought together and here's the thing about that um if you're tired of me now we've got eternity brother all right so we're stuck together so that's not the best news for some of you but anyway we are together in Christ and so we're, we're talking about as a church we want to offer many avenues for you to experience community and community is not simply coming together in this room and listening to music and listening to uh, preaching and singing and whatever that's not it that's not community alright you just simply gathered alright that's like saying I went to see a movie and the people around me are now my community right that doesn't happen so what we're talking about is a deep relationship, a relationship based around the person of Jesus and who we are in Jesus and, in, and on mission together in Jesus. So we want to offer you avenues for that. For some of you, you have Sunday school and, and you in your Sunday school classes, you guys are, 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 are eating together, you're meeting together, you're, you're outside of the church together, you know each other's kids, their kids know you, you spank their kids, you understand what I'm saying? You, uh, you serve together, you, you're there for one another, and that's fantastic. But for those of you who don't have that, for those of you who aren't in that, or, or maybe your Sunday school is, is, is more of a, you get in there and you learn, but you haven't really connected necessarily, we offer something called community groups, and we actually have a meeting tonight, so it's a really good thing that you're here. Uh, we have something called community groups, and here's what they are. They're going to be groups that are going to meet in, in homes or, or wherever. I don't care. They, they're going to meet wherever you want to meet. Your group can meet in your homes. You can meet at Starbucks. Uh, you can meet at like a restaurant. I don't care. Like There are a few you probably shouldn't meet at, but it's you get it. You get it. We'll figure that out. But anyway, uh, and so what they're going to do is I'm going to, starting next week, you're going to see in the bulletin discussion questions, just basically two, probably no more than two about the sermon. And so you guys will get together at some point and just kind of discuss what God's been teaching you, kind of what's going on in your heart, but really just get to know each other, just love each other, just live life together, get together, eat meals together. The requirements of these groups will be two requirements. Number one, you'll be required to serve somewhere together. I don't care how. We offer a lot of opportunities to serve here in the church. I don't care how you do it. I was, I was talking to my mom last night. They're, my parents would be leading one of the groups. I was talking to my mom last night and she said, uh, you know, I was telling you, yeah, there's a lot of different ways. And my mom just said, you know what really ministered to me when, when your dad was in the ICU, uh, you know, the heart ICU, whatever. Uh, she said there was a church that came in and they sat with us and they talked with us and they gave us water. And I'll never forget those people. She said, that's what I want to do. Great. Go. Go in the name of Jesus. I don't care, but just go. All right. So you have to serve 
somewhere once a month together. Uh, and then also you have to interact with people who don't believe in Jesus, people who don't follow Jesus, right? And maybe sometimes those come together and they're one single event and maybe they're not. And maybe there's something in the church. Maybe it's simply going to your neighbor and being nice. Maybe it's going to your neighbor and bringing them a meal. I don't care. But those are what community groups, because community without mission is false. Community without mission, it's shallow. It's just, what are you doing? right? Like, I don't need another meeting. I don't need to just get in someone else's house and just sit there and be like, isn't Jesus great? Like, I want community, all right? I want you to know me. I want you to know, uh, I want to know you. Um, and so we, we're going to have those. If you'd like to be a part, you can go on our website and sign up through, uh, on the community groups uh, uh, link, or you can check off on your little tear off in your bulletin. Uh, but be here tonight in this room at six o'clock uh, and we'll have, a, we'll have a quick meeting about it. I'll introduce you to some of the leaders and, and we'll, get you, we'll get you squared away with that. It's going to be awesome. And lastly, cause. We talked about uh, cause. We, we are nothing. Uh, we, are, we are not here just simply to, to sit back on our laurels, to sit back and go, man, isn't it great what Jesus did for me? But we are here to spread what he's done for us. We're here to, we've got, God's shown us mercy, so we're here to show others mercy. God has shown us grace, so we're here to show others grace. Jesus came to serve us, so we've come to serve other people. And so we've offered a lot of different things. Uh, we started something last Saturday, and it'll be happening every Saturday, um, where we go to the Ed Rice uh, Community Center in Frazier with uh, Christ Church Cares, our missions ministry. And, uh, and we go and we hang out with kids and we play games with them. I stuck my face and I believe it was pudding. I'm not quite sure. They just said, stick your face in this. All right. And so anyway, we hang out with kids and, and uh, how many of you guys went? How many in this room went? Did you guys have a good time? Was it worth, worth your time? Exactly. It's, it's, if you want to go, uh, we met here last time. We met here at uh, 12. We left at 1230. We'll do the same thing this week. It's two hours. That's it. It's just two hours. I give two hours to reality television. All right. I'm ashamed to say that, but I watch people lose weight for two hours. Do you understand? Like I do that, all right? Give two hours to something that matters, all right? And if you can't come out every week, don't feel guilty. Just come out, come out when you can. Come out when you, when you have time, all right? Today, I wanna go to, I wanna talk about a dirty word, all right? And I know some of you went, finally, something I'm interested in. Uh, Maybe not, all right, maybe not exactly. But, uh, but I wanna talk about a word that in the church has become Dirty, and, and here's what I mean by that. Because when we say this word, it makes people cringe. It makes people uncomfortable, and ultimately, it makes people feel guilty. Truly, th- this word has that much power. And and I like I, I I'm I'm ready to say it. I love saying dirty words. Now, get, hang on, let me put that in context. Um, whenever I see a little kid who's learning to talk, my go-to word is doo doo, because. Because uh, it's hilarious. Because if they catch on to that the rest of the day, their parents are just hearing doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo all the time. And then, and then they think of me. And so anyway, this, hey, this morning, actually this morning, uh, Cammy, if you guys ever know little Cammy running around, uh, she, she came up to her parents this morning and she said, Grant says doo-doo. And so anyway, so I felt I've accomplished something, all right? Like I've, I've, I've got something. Let me give you, let me give you the word, all right? So here it is, evangelism. Now, did anyone just go, right? Like some of you are like, I don't know what that means. And God bless you that you don't know what that means, right? But for some of us who've grown up in church, that word makes you go, it makes you uncomfortable. And, and here's, can I give you my goal today? My goal today is to remove guilt from this word. My goal today is to remove that burden of guilt that you feel right now, just because I said that word. My goal today is to remove that from you because that's not Christ's plan for you. 
And, and you're, you're, you're killing your effectiveness for Jesus when you're carrying around guilt, right? Like anyone ever gone and served, served the Lord with joy and experienced him in joy but with carrying around guilt? No, all right? And so I want to remove guilt from that word today as we talk about it. So uh, I, I believe that there are two types of Christians. And this is, where, this is where our confusion starts with this word. I believe there are two types of Christians when we talk about evangelism. Number one, they're evangelists. And number two, there are those involved with evangelism. That's it. They're, you're one of two, all right? You're either an evangelist or you are someone involved in evangelism. Now, here's, what I, here's why I think that, that we are guilt-ridden about evangelism and why it's so weird in our churches today is that we put the definition of evangelist on all believers. We have taken what evangelists do and we said, that's great, that's noble, that's wonderful. All Christians need to do that. And so we've taken, we've taken that and we put it on people. And, and so l- l- can I define evangelism real quick? And this, might, this isn't going to be the best definition in the world. This isn't like I'm sure later you can come to me later and poke holes in it. Just don't. I'm fragile. But, but what is evangelism? Let me, let me define it. I believe, I believe it's representing Jesus to outsiders. The scripture we're looking at today calls people who don't, be, who, who don't follow Jesus, calls them outsiders. So I'm not just like using a weird term. Representing Jesus to outsiders through word or deed is what I believe evangelism is. And, and, and so anyway, I, I think that we don't understand that there's a difference between us who do evangelism, who, who do evangelize, and those who are evangelists. And so we put that on people. And so maybe you were like me. When I grew up, I went to a program called Faith. And it was, like, it was like an acrostic or something. It was like F stood for forgiveness. A stood for asthma. I don't know, all right? Like I'm not, I don't remember, all right? But anyway, it was basically a, a poor man's EE. Evangelism Explosion was this thing. And, and I try, I remember I signed up for it and they handed me this book, right? And they were like, here you go. You've got to memorize this. And I went, uh, I'm going to lose this before I get to my car, all right? Like, this is not going to work. So I signed up for faith, and, and here's what it was. They would train you. You'd go in. You'd learn Bible verses to tell people about Jesus, and you'd learn, like, cool little, like, catchphrases. You know what I mean? Like, like turn or burn. But you learn these things, right? And then you'd go out, and you'd go into people's neighborhoods, and you'd, like, knock on doors, and they'd open the door, and you'd have to really awkwardly find your way inside their home and tell them about Jesus. It was all, it, it was very awkward and Mormony. All right. Can I just say that? Is that weird? It was like, it was, it was uncomfortable and it was like awkward. And, and so I believe that I was not doing evangelism if, if I wasn't doing that. If I wasn't like forcing my way into people's lives. If I wasn't like, like I believe if I went to like Walmart or Target or anything like that, or like I just ran into some like stranger that walked up on the stage. Oh, uh, I would, I believe that I had to say, I believe like I needed to find somebody and I got to tell them about Jesus, right? Do you, can I, can I tell you, did God use that? Yes, absolutely. God can also turn garbage into gold. All right. Do I think it was the best strategy? No. And so I was just going out there just telling anybody, right? I was just like, hey, man, hey, hey, come here, hey, hey. Uh, you're, you're going to hell? Like, I, it was, it's hard, and it's awkward, and it's weird. Like, I had a lady call the police on me. Like, she was like, this is, this is wrong. This is verbal assault. And, uh, and I was like, what? And so it was, like, awkward, and it was weird. And I started to think, like, there's something wrong with me, right? There's something wrong with me that I don't, 
I don't feel comfortable just walking up to a stranger in Target and telling them about Jesus. There's something wrong with me that I don't go door to door. And so every time I heard the word evangelism or evangelize, I felt like a failure. And maybe you do too. Maybe you do too. And, and I, I want to clear that up today. Let me, let me tell you this. There is something called an evangelist. There is something called evangelist. Let me give you the, the, the reasoning definition behind that. Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So there are people who are specifically evangelists. We see Philip is, is called Philip the evangelist. Timothy is told by Paul to do the work of an evangelist. Paul absolutely is an evangelist. That dude, got, he's ridiculous. He would go tell people about Jesus. They would beat him and they wouldn't stop beating him until they thought he was dead. And then he'd get back up and go tell them about Jesus again, all right? That's an evangelist, all right? And someone who might have brain damage, all right? So, so he's an evangelist. So, so who is an evangelist? If you're trying to figure out who is that, can I give you a definition? And again, none of these definitions are perfect, but, but let me give this to you. Who's an evangelist? I believe that there are people with the gift of evangelism who often care passionately about lost people and have a strong desire to see them meet Jesus. They feel compassion for the lost and seek to earnestly understand their questions and doubts so that they can provide a compelling answer. An evangelist often prefers being with people in the culture rather than hanging out with Christians in the church. And so you might say, well, then what is the gift of evangelism? Let me poorly define that. Here we go. The gift of evangelism is the ability and desire, key, that's very key, desire to boldly and clearly communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ so that non-Christians can become Christians. So you might say, am I an evangelist? Let me ask you some questions and you answer yes or no. Please not out loud, you weirdos. All right, so here we go. Do you enjoy being with non-Christians and sharing the gospel? Yes or no? Are you able to effectively communicate to non-Christians in a language they can understand? Here's what that means. Instead of walking up to someone and going, you know, um, we, I'm so thankful that Jesus uh, came as, as, uh, my, uh, as my ransom and he's provided justification. And now as I follow him, I have sanctification. And one day I'll have glorification. Would you like that? Right? Like that's not, what? That's not working. All right? Can you clearly communicate the gospel to non-Christians? Does a person's conversion bring you profound joy? Do you feel frustrated when you haven't shared your faith for a while? Do you enjoy teaching others how to share their faith? And do you find it easy to direct a conversation toward the topic of Jesus Christ? Evangelists deal very directly with a clear message of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us. But some of you in this room are not evangelists. And let me say this, most of you in this room are not evangelists. So I want you to breathe. I want you to relax. That whole like going, you know, door to door thing and all that. I'm not saying God won't call you to do that. There are absolutely exceptions, all right? I'm sure there are many times in the Bible where God asks someone to do something like, oh, I don't know, could you march around this, this city and blow a horn? I'm sure there are times where God asks them to do something that they went, huh? And so I'm not saying he's not gonna call you to that. But what I am saying is that every, day in, day out, that's probably not God's call for you, all right? Um, and so some of us aren't evangelists. So if you are an evangelist, if you, if you answered yes to those questions, and you said, man, that is me, and I know you're in this room. I can point at you, but it would embarrass you. Kind of makes me want to do it now. But no, I, I know there are evangelists in this room. Go, 
Keep going. Go out there and you tell people. God's probably been preparing hearts for you to go and tell them about Jesus and maybe you'll be able to see the harvest and that's a fantastic thing. Go, 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 all right? But for those of you who are not evangelists, you are absolutely supposed to be involved in evangelism. But what does that mean? What does that mean? If it doesn't mean going door to door, if it doesn't mean walking up to some stranger and just saying, hey man, uh, Jesus died on the cross for you, man. Like if that's not what it means, then what does it mean to be involved in evangelism? If you say, I'm not an evangelist, I answered no to most of those questions and I feel bad about it, don't, all right? You absolutely still are involved in evangelism, but maybe you'll think about it differently today. And that's, that's what I hope. Let's turn to Colossians chapter four. Colossians chapter four. If you don't have a Bible there, a little white Bible is under your chairs or in front of your chairs. Uh, you can turn to page 845, page 845. If you have a smartphone or an iPad or a semi-smartphone, whatever, uh, then you can, you can look it up. You can go on the app store, search, uh, search for Bible. The first one to pull up is usually version. That's the one we, we use a lot of, really enjoy it. Um, and if you're wondering what translation we use, it's English Standard Version, ESV, ESV. So you can find that. Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. So 2 through 6. And now these, these verses, 2 through 6, they're split right down the middle, all right? They're split right down the middle. There is, uh, there is an indirect involvement for us as, as, as people who are not evangelists. There's an indirect involvement, and there's also a direct involvement. You understand? There's an indirect involvement and there's a direct involvement in evangelism. So we're going to see how we fit um, into that. So beginning in verse 2. Um, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And pray for us also that God may open up a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Um, so first, if you are not an evangelist, then you've been called to indirect involvement with evangelists through prayer. Let me say that again. You've been called to indirect involvement in evan uh, with evangelists through prayer. You've been called to support evangelists through prayer. So indirectly, you're involved in evangelism in that way. Um, let me give you some context here real quick. Paul's in prison, all right? And he's not alone in prison. And he, he writes later about those who are in chains with him. But he's in prison for being an evangelist, all right? He's going out sharing the gospel. So he's writing this to them. And he's saying, here's how you can be involved in my evangelism, is that you need to pray for me. You need to support me. So Paul and Timothy, if you look in chapter 1, verse 1 of this book, you see Paul and Timothy are evangelists together. Uh, you see in chapter 4, verse 10, Aristarchus. And if anyone has a daughter, name her that. Uh, that's one of them. And then also uh, Epaphras uh, is in chapter 4, verse 12. So these are all evangelists. They've been called to clearly and, and effectively and boldly communicate um, uh, explicitly state the gospel of Jesus, what, who he is, how, what he came to do on the cross, what, how he defeated sin for us by, resur by, by resurrecting uh, three days later and, and the gift of God in salvation to us through what Jesus has done. That, they are called to do that. They're called to clearly do that. And Paul says, if you are not an evangelist, that's fine, but you need to be involved in our ministry by praying for us. So how do we pray? Look back at this verse. Look at what he says. First, he said, steadfastly, steadfastly. And it, which is weird. Like we don't normally use, you know, that word uh, in our, you know, in our, our common culture. You know what I mean? Like you don't, like if you never miss an episode of like house or something like that, you don't say, I steadfastly watch house, right? So it's like, it's kind of weird, but here's what it means. 
to devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourself. So steadfast. So when you devote yourselves to something, what does that mean? Devotion is not something that, that comes and goes. Devotion is not something that when I feel like it, do you understand? I am absolutely devoted to my wife and my wife has devoted herself to me. But let me make a confession that might shock you. There are moments that it's really hard to be married to me. Do you understand? There are moments where, I don't know, maybe she just looks at me and she's just like, you're so handsome, I don't deserve you. But anyway, like, but like, there are moments in our marriage where her devotion to me, if it was based on a feeling or a want to, mm, right? Like it, I'd probably show up at one of your doors. Like, hey, uh, you got a couch I can sleep on, right? So she's devoted. So devotion is something, it's, it's a decision that you make. It's something that falls in your lap. It's a decision you make and it's something you stick with. You are devoted. So devote yourselves to prayer. You, you carve out time for this, for, for, uh, for evangelists. Look, look what he also says, be watchful. Now, why would he say that? Be watchful. I think it's the same reason he says be devoted, because here's the reality, Christians, you have an enemy. There's a very real enemy out there. We talk about spiritual warfare, and I don't think we talk about it enough. And I don't know if we don't talk about it enough because we feel weird or we feel foolish, you know what I mean? Like, because our world thinks of ghosts and, you know, like little fat chubby baby angels, right? And so, like, we feel weird, like, talking about it, but there's a reality there. There's a reality in that. I don't believe in chubby baby angels, although I could be surprised, and that would be a weird, really weird heaven. Uh, but anyway, actually, let me give you a piece of advice. If you get to heaven, and there are little chubby fat baby angels, um, you're probably not in heaven, all right? Like, that's not a, that's not a good place, all right? So anyway, it's creepy. But anyway, so where was I? So anyway, <laughs> be watchful. Here's what I mean. You have a very real enemy, and you know what? If you're a believer, he can never get you away from Christ. Jesus says that he is holding on to us. He's saying that who the Father's put in his hand, no one could snatch us out. We, we read further in the scriptures that there's nothing that can separate us from his love, neither height nor depth, nor, nor angels, nor, nor demons, nor our actions or anyone else's. We can't be separated from it. So he can't pull you away, but you know what he can do? He can bog you down with guilt. He can bog you down with responsibilities, and he can mess your priorities up and make you incredibly ineffective. And so what he's saying is when you devote yourself to prayer, don't just say, oh, this will be easy. Uh, every 8.30 every morning, I'm going to spend time and pray. He's saying, be watchful when you do it because you have an enemy. And just as you're strategizing against him, he's strategizing against you. So be watchful. You'll face resistance in your prayer life. I promise you, you'll face resistance. So be watchful. Also, he says in thanksgiving. And here's what I think he means by that is be sure of the victory you have in Jesus. When you pray for these evangelists and you pray that God's work would be done, pray victoriously. Don't pray without hope. Don't pray as if like, oh God, I hope this works, right? Pray knowing that he ultimately is, is absolutely, completely, 100% in control of salvation. He's 100% in control of, of, uh, of evangelists and the work that they do, of ministers, of missionaries, of pastors, of teachers. He's in control. So when you, when you pray, be thankful for what he's doing and, and just tell him your heart on the issue. But, but pray with hope and pray with a thanksgiving, knowing that, you know what, God, I know that you're moving already. But God, I just want to, I just want to ask you, please move in power. Give your spirit to this person. Just move in an amazing way. But pray thankfully saying, God, thank you for moving. Thank you for working. Thank you for being in control. We don't pray to, 
we, we don't pray as a gamble. Like we, we pray uh, with, with assurance and we pray with, with a, a, a sure hope. So that, he tells us how to pray, but then he says what to pray for. Number one, pray for the evangelists. Pray for the evangelists. And, and here's what I mean by that. You should have specific evangelists, missionaries, pastors, and teachers that you lift up to the Lord on a regular basis. You should have names right now. Names should come to your mind of pastors, teachers, missionaries, evangelists, people who are, are dealing with on a regular basis, explicitly stating the gospel message of Jesus, telling people about coming from death and sin to life in Jesus. You need to be lifting them up on a regular basis. You should have specific names. So he says, pray for the evangelists, but also, what does he say? For an open door for an open door. So pray for specific and unique opportunities. I don't think he's saying like pray that every day we'll be able to tell someone about Jesus because if you really want, you do have an opportunity every day. You can go find an opportunity every day. And I'll tell you this, if they really are an evangelist, if they really, really are a pastor, a teacher, or, 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 or anything like that, it's dealing with the gospel of Jesus, they will tell people about Jesus. You don't worry about that. But here's what I think he's, he's saying. You pray for us to have a, a something supernatural. You pray for an open door that would only be of God, that would be just an amazing thing, right? And so, so pray for a, a supernatural thing for these pastors and these missionaries. Pray that they have an amazing opportunity to share Jesus in a way that you never could. So pray for open doors. Also, look at this last part, and this is kind of difficult. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear. And so here's what, here's what he's saying to pray for. Pray for clarity in the evangelist, pastor, missionary, whoever. Pray for clarity in their speech as they try to communicate to others the mystery of Christ. And you say, the mystery of Christ? What? Think about it like this. Think about, if, if you were to say that God was coming to set up his kingdom, if they were to say that in their time, you know what people thought? He's going to come down and he's going to bust the heavens open. He's going to like, he's going to kill all of Rome. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's just going to be really powerful and big. And so there's a mystery that's hidden from people. People don't understand. Some people don't understand that, that you know what, the decisions that they're making they're not honoring to God. They have no idea that they've offended God. Some people don't understand that, that their sin is hurting them. They don't even get that. They have no concept that God has something better for them in Jesus. They don't get that. That's a mystery to them. They don't understand that Jesus came, came took the form of a man, put our sin on himself, faced the wrath of God for our sin so that we never will. For, uh, for them so that we can be reconciled to the Father, so we can be brought back to God and, and have joy in this life now and joy forever. They don't get that. That's a mystery. And so he's saying, would you pray that I would speak clarity? Would you pray that I would speak in a way that they would understand? And, and this is a big prayer. This is a Holy Spirit prayer. This is a thing that the Holy Spirit's got to move, number one, through me. If I ever make sense to you, understand that you just saw the Holy Spirit uh, move and, and make sense, all right? Because I don't, all right? And so he's got to move through the evangelist, but also he's got to work in the heart of those he's talking to, of those he's speaking to. So this is a huge prayer. He's not simply saying, oh, by the way, could you make sure that I don't stumble on my words? No, no, no. He's saying, would you pray that God would break down... Uh, uh, barriers of confusion and misunderstanding and bring clarity. That's a huge thing. That's a huge prayer in evangelism. So 
you might say, okay, cool. All right, yeah, I'll pray for him. Am I off the hook? Do I have to evangelize, right? Like, am I off the hook here? And no, you've been called not only to indirect evangelism, but direct evangelism personally. Direct evangelism personally. And it's not the way you think. It's not the narrow, like, just walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, uh, you know, Jesus is great, right? Like, that's not what I'm talking about. It's bigger than that. Uh, and sometimes it may be that, but I think it's bigger than that. And I think we evangelize through our lives personally in two ways. Number one, our action. And number two, our speech. Our action and our speech. Look at Colossians. Go back to verse five, chapter four, verse five. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. So look at what he says. Toward outsiders. So that's people who are outside of Christ, those who aren't following Christ. Toward outsiders, make the best use of the time. So here's what that means. Don't waste an opportunity. God has placed you where you are. Do you understand that? And you say, where I am is terrible. Okay, God has placed you where you are. He is sovereign over where you are. God has given you a sphere of influence that he hasn't given me. There are people in your life that if I walked up to them and I tried to tell them what God's done in my life, they will punch me in the mouth. But those same people, you can walk straight up to them and tell them, you know, I just, dude, I gotta tell you this. Like this thing happened in my life, you wouldn't believe what God did for me, right? And they will listen, they're attentive. God's given you a sphere of influence with people that, that I don't have. Maybe it's family, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's neighbors. But here's what he's saying. Don't waste your time with them because time is precious and time is short. There was a, a, a friend of mine I found out this past week He's a year younger than me. Some of you might have met him before. Um, he passed away um, back in October. Um, and I just found out this past week. I hadn't talked to him in months. And I started to think like, man, our time is precious. Our time is short. And that's absolutely true. Don't waste it. Don't waste your opportunities. Understand that God gave you those opportunities. So how do we not waste it? Number one, wise actions. Look at verse five. Walk in wisdom towards others. What is walking in wisdom? Here's what walking in wisdom is. Let me, let me clarify. Walking in wisdom is knowing how to glorify God in all areas of your life. Knowing how to glorify God. Knowing how to make a decision that honors God in every area of your life. In every area of your life. It's knowing how to, in every circumstance, relationship, decision, action, etc. How to make the right choice that points, points people towards Jesus and not away from Jesus. And how do we gain this wisdom? You say, that's great. I love to do that. I don't have that wisdom. How do we gain that wisdom? Number one. Through the scriptures, Psalm 19.7 says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The scriptures. If you're not in the word of God, then you're not growing in wisdom. Number two, prayer. Here's what the Bible says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask for it. Let him ask for it. So prayer, ask God for that wisdom. And you don't have to make it any more difficult than that right there. God, I lack wisdom. I need it. Please, can I have it? All right? Ask him for it. Thirdly, is godly counsel. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Really, I had a friend of mine last night tell me, Read all of Proverbs. That's godly counsel. All right? And when you finish reading Proverbs, read it again. All right? And so in that, in that same way, listen to godly men and women. Go to them. Seek their counsel and, look at the, and, and, and find it in the scriptures from them. The second thing is speech. Verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Season with salt so you may know how you ought to answer each person. We talked a lot about actions, and I think you can already wrap your head around that. Okay, I'm supposed to be, make a loving action towards all people. I can do that, right? The Bible says that love, uh, it's, it's patient, love is kind, love's not rude, love doesn't, doesn't 
uh, uh, fight for its own way, right? Like, like, so, okay, yeah, I can be selfless. I can do that. I understand that, that I'm not, I'm supposed to let people in traffic. I understand I'm not supposed to throw golf balls out my sunroof to hit the person behind me. I understand that, right? Like, I understand that when people argue with me, I need to show them respect and things like, I can get around that. But one of the things we haven't talked a lot about is your speech, is how important our speech is. And so uh, I, I kind of, I, I really just want to, want to focus on that speech. And regardless if you're directly talking about the love of Jesus explicitly, uh, like an evangelist, if that comes up, or if you're simply representing Jesus by the way you speak about everything else, we're called to do it in, in three ways. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, to not waste an opportunity with your speech, all of your speech should be gracious, interesting, and you should be interested now, let me, let me explain that. Number one, be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious. What is grace? Getting what you don't deserve. That's grace, all right? And so sometimes in conversation, people don't deserve our respect. Sometimes the topic they're talking about, they don't deserve our time in, 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 those, in those topics. Sometimes uh, they're rude to us and, and they, they just don't deserve that. However, we've been called to extend love to them in our speech. Be gracious when you speak to them. Uh, in, in other words, let me say this. Win the person before you win the argument. That should be our goal in our speech. We should be gracious to people. Instead of caring about winning an argument with someone, we should care about, do, am I winning the person through the way that I speak? Um, and so we need to talk in such a way that brings people back to Jesus and push them away. Um, so be gracious. Second, be interesting. Verse six, seasoned with salt. Salt was used for a lot of different things in the biblical times, but here it's talking about uh, bringing out flavor, being something different. So how can we be interesting? Grant, you don't understand. All I like to do is watch Star Trek reruns. I'm not interesting. I would agree with you. But here's what I mean by that. Here's what is refreshing, all right? Here's what's refreshing to our culture, something different, something that's flavorful like salt. Be genuine. In your speech, be genuine. Don't walk up to someone and use churchy words. Don't put a fake smile on your face when your whole world is falling apart. Be genuine with people. People see through that, all right? Don't, don't just simply walk up to someone and just say, uh, you know, God is good all the time, right? Like, tell them what's going on in your life. Like, be a genuine person, right? Don't walk up to someone who doesn't know Jesus and, you know, quiz them about the Bible. Be genuine, all right? Be a genuine person uh, to people. And that's so refreshing in our culture. The, the last thing, be interested. Verse six, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. To answer a person, then what do you have to do? You have to listen and you have to be invested enough to give an answer. You have to listen enough. You have to care about them enough to listen to them and get to know them. And you have to care enough to give an answer, to, to invest in them enough to give an answer. So that's what I mean by that. Be interested. Invest in, in non-believers. Invest in what the scripture calls outsiders. Invest in them. And let me ask you a question. Think about the outsiders in your life right now. They're there. I know they're there. Think about them. Are you currently investing in them? Are you being interested in them? Are you being genuine with them? Are you walking in wisdom around them, making godly decisions around them? Are you being gracious? Are you winning them rather than winning an argument? That's what we've been called to do. That's practical evangelism. I'd like for us to close in a weird way, because I'm weird, all right? And here's, here's what I'd like to do. Normally we stand and we sing a song. I'm, I'm going to have George come up. He's going to play for us. But uh, normally we'd stand and we'd sing a song, and, you know, you'd, you'd rock back and forth, and you think about chilies or wherever you're going after. Um, but here's what I'd rather do. Um, this right here, this idea of evangelism out of Colossians rocked my world this week. It rocked my world. There was a guilt on me 
with that word evangelism that was crushing. And I didn't realize it. And I was broken down and I, was, I felt like a failure. This scripture here, it saved me. It, it, it rocked my world. It changed my life. And so could we do something? And if you don't feel comfortable doing it, don't. But I'm going to ask us to stand in a moment. And then I'm going to ask you, would you, would you pray with people around you? You go, man, you guys pray a lot. Yeah, because God is our source of power. Duh. All right. So anyway, would you pray with people around you? And be very honest about this idea of evangelism, about walking wise with people. Would you pray that we would, that, that we would be gracious to other people? Would you pray that, that if, if someone does have the gift of evangelism, that doors would be open to them, that they would speak boldly? Would you pray for those in their lives, the outsiders in, in, in our sphere of influence? Would you pray for them specifically? I don't know. Some of you, you might have different prayers on your heart about this issue. But this, this made a huge impact on me this week. So I hope it made an impact on you. So I'm going to ask us to stand and, and they're going to play. But I'm going to ask you to stand and, and would you just gather together with people around you and just pray about this issue? Pray about how we're to walk in wisdom with people and, and show the love of Jesus through our actions, through our speech. Um, and, and pray about that. I, I hope guilt was removed from a lot of people today and you feel free to go and enjoy Jesus and display that enjoyment to other people. Um, so would you, would you please stand and, and just gather up and pray with people around you. If you don't feel comfortable, stay seated. That's fine.